Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to 1 Chronicles chapter 11. How many of you love the Word of God? 1 Chronicles chapter 11, verses 22 through 24, and stand with me in reverence to God for the reading of our text. 1 Chronicles chapter 11, verses 22 through 24. When you leave this morning, I've got a giant print Bible and the God's Word translation on a fourth grade reading level. Phenomenal, phenomenal Bible. That is a, 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 will be a tremendous blessing. I encourage you to, to uh, uh, make yourself, uh, make, that, uh, 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 available. I make that available to you on my table in the four-year area. If you don't already have it, I know that it will be a blessing to you. So I encourage you to stop by our table. All of that is ammunition to hit the devil in the head with. First Chronicles chapter 11, verses 22 through 24. Benai, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Tabzil, who had done many acts, he slew two lion-like men of Moab. Also, he went down and slew a lion in a pit on a snowy day. And he slew an Egyptian, a man of great stature, five cubits high. And in the Egyptian's hand was a spear like a weaver's beam. And he went down to him with a staff and plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and slew him with his own spear. These things did Benaiah the son of Jehoiada and had the name among the three mighties. This morning, we're going to kill a lion in a pit on a snowy day. Remain standing and bow with me for a word of prayer. Holy Ghost, do your work and have your way and accomplish what you want done. In Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people said amen and amen. You may be seated if you plan on coming back tonight. I want us to first of all look at the character of Benaiah. Now, isn't it true that, that over the past 20 plus years that we have put in our churches and in our communities, we have put too much emphasis on a preacher or a politician or an individual's charisma and not enough focus on their character? I found out a long time ago, you can be a great man for God and never be a great man of God. That your charisma can override your character, sir. That your giftings can override the kind of person that you are on the inside, ma'am. Young person, your abilities can override the kind of person that you are on the inside. And if that's the case for any of us, we're not fit for the manure pile. I found out a long time ago, you can uh, climb to the top of a ladder only to find out that you've got it leaning against the wrong wall. You can achieve the top of a religious success and never achieve the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. But this man, Benaiah, he came from a strong family background. It says that his father and his grandfather were valiant men. You know, there's something to be said for having your, your parents and your grandparents to have uh, served God before you did. That way, when the devil attacks you, you can say, I know it may be rough right now, but my dad told me it got rough in his day, and he held on and made it. I know it may be tough right now, but my grandfather told me it got tough in his day, and he held on and made it too. How many of you sitting here, your parents and or your grandparents have told you about how God has seen them through difficult times? You know, I'm so amazed at some of the newer people in our charismatic circles. It's almost as though they want to mock and make fun of those of us who have been in this thing for any length of time. 
for those of us that have roots that go way down deep. I know if you're not careful, you can get stuck in that, but if you're not stuck in it, it can be a great foundation in which for you to rely upon. Then when the devil attacks you, you can say, wait a second, devil, my grandfather whipped you, then my father whipped you, now I'm whipping you. That's the third generation of whippings you've taken, and I've had enough of you. And it's time for us to remember where we came from at LVA Church. I'm not talking about relying on past victories, but I'm talking about doing like the psalmist David did. The psalmist David said, while I was musing, while I was remembering the many mighty acts of God, my soul did burn within me. And it's time for us to cry out, Pastor, and say, God, you brought us all too far. You didn't bring LVA Church this far down the road just for us to close up shop. I know this thing's not about to go under, and it's time for this church body to rise up, give out a clarion call for righteousness, and march on in the power of God. I find out there's three ways for you to raise your children, parents. By example, by example, and by example. Whatever your children see you do, they will emulate. Whatever your children see you do, they strive for. It will create that same desire on the inside of them. I can back that up all throughout the word of God. But this man, Beniah, it says that he came from a strong family background and he was a bold man. He was not a sissy. He was, he was a Levite trumpeter and he played the trumpet as the ark came down the road. That means that he knew how to worship God. He didn't think it made him any less of a man if he stood up during the worship. Y'all quit shouting so much, I'm gonna lose my place here. He didn't think it made him any less of a man if he lifted his hands during worship. He didn't think it made him any less of a man if he opened his mouth during worship and praised and magnified and glorified God. He didn't think it made him any less of a man if he put his hands together and gave the Lord a hand clap of praise. We need some men and women and young people at LVA Church that'll take on the spirit of Beniah and not worry about what it makes you look like if you cut loose and worship God out loud. We need some men and women and young people to make up this church body that'll say, I'm a man, I'm a woman, I'm a young person, and God, what you gave me, the devil can't take it away from me because you gave it to me, God, in Jesus' name. All right, here we go, Pastor. Do I, have the, do, I, do I have your permission just to be straight? Some of you men need to grow up and quit being little boys and be the head of your household spiritually, sir. Quit getting blessed by proxy. Quit letting your wife do all the praying in the house while you just uh, enjoy the blessings of God. Getting a little bit quieter in here now, even as we go. I'm looking for God to raise up some real men in these last days. Amen? I'm not talking about limpers and effeminate preachers, men and men, but I'm talking about men of God who have enough steel in your backbone and seem in their call to stand up on your hind legs and say, devil, I'm going to serve God and worship God and be the example for my family. Benaiah was a Levite trumpeter. He knew how to worship God. But not only that, not only was he a Levite trumpeter, he wore the white linen ephod. For they all did that stood before the ark. That white linen ephod symbolizes purity, sir. That white linen ephod, it symbolizes, I don't watch rated R movies on HBO, sir. That white linen ephod, it symbolizes, I don't listen to country western music. I, th- I thought if I ever wrote a country western song, I would name it, if you leave, walk out backwards so I'll think you're coming in. <laughs> I mean, that's what all of the songs are about. One adulterous affair after another. That, that white linen ephod, young person, it symbolizes I don't listen to music 
that is in opposition to the word of God. I'm looking for God to for, for God to raise up some men and women and young people at LVA Church that will take on the white linen ephod and live a holy and an upright and a righteous life for God. You know, the world, they laugh at Pentecostals today. Now, there was a day when they would, when, when they would laugh at Pentecostals, but when they'd find themselves in trouble, you see where they came to? Right here to the Pentecostal church. But now the world, they laugh, they scoff, they mock, they say, your number one sin preachers can't even live right anymore. What's happened to you people? Have you lost what you once had? And I'm looking for God to raise up some men and women and young people at LVA church that are take on the white linen ephod and live a holy and an upright and a righteous life before God. And I hear people say, well, Brother Todd, everybody sends a little. What page is that on in the Bible? Everybody sends a little. Mine happens to be robbing banks. What's yours? Everybody sends a little. And I hear people in the church say, well, Brother Todd, the key word is moderation. Well, how many of you ladies want your husband to commit a moderate amount of adultery? That's what I thought. How many of you have the, how many of you have the solution for him if he does it? That's what I thought. But you see... Benaiah was clothed in the righteousness of God. Not in his own self-righteous, pharisaical attitude, but he was clothed in the righteousness of God. Sir, I charge you before God tonight to stand up and live right before your family, before you bury them with your actions. Because I can assure you, sir, whatever your children see you trying to get away with and your grandchildren see you trying to get away with, they're going to try ten times that to see what they can get away with. Every daddy in this building ought to be a hero. Can I hear an amen? amen? Every mama in this building ought to be a hero. Young person, you ought to be a hero to the people that you go to school with. Listen to me. I, I, I'm looking for God to raise up some men and women and young people at LVA Church that will take on the white linen ephod and live a holy and an upright and a righteous life before God. But then, not only was he a Levite trumpeter, he knew how to worship God. And not only did he wear the white linen ephod, but also, in addition to that, he was a man of great courage because it took great courage for him to do the things for God that he did. I can prove to you that Benaiah was a man of great courage because he served King David, who was a type of Christ, when it wasn't easy to serve King David. You know, anybody in here can serve King Jesus when things are going good. Anybody can serve King Jesus when the pomegranate juice is flowing down over you. Anybody can serve King Jesus when things are going your way. But God is looking for some people at LVA Church that when the Philistines have got you surrounded and you're locked in that cave, King Saul is breathing down your back. That means that you're flat broke and the bills are all piled up and everybody in the family is sick. That's when you rise up on your haunches and look hell in the face and say, devil, I'm going to serve God no matter what you do to me. Anybody in here can serve King Jesus when things are going your way. But to serve King Jesus, when all hell breaks loose in your life, that's the true test. And not only did Benaiah serve King David in this capacity, but he stayed sensitive to the desires of the king. Uh, there's no way that you can convince me that Benaiah, that King David had to beat Benaiah over the head to go get that fresh well water from Bethlehem. Oh no, most Bible scholars believe that King David perhaps just muttered it under his breath. They're locked in that cave. It's the harvesting time. So that means that the air is full of dust and, and the pollen is heavy. Can, am I hitting home yet? And they're drinking that old stale water. And King David perhaps just thought it out loud. He says, just muttered under his breath. He said, 
Oh, if I just had a drink of that fresh well water from Bethlehem, I, I believe I'd be all right. Benaiah was close enough to King David that he felt his heart beat. Benaiah was close enough to King David that he stayed sensitive to the desires of the king. You need to be close enough to King Jesus that you feel his heartbeat. You need to stay close enough to King Jesus that you stay sensitive to the desires of King Jesus. So here they are. They're, they're, they're in that cave. They're locked in that cave. And, but, and King David perhaps just muttered under his breath, Oh, if I just had a drink of that fresh well water from Bethlehem. Benaiah jumped up and said, if that's what King David wants, I'm going to go get it for him. That's why it needs to be with every one of us. Listen, if you would even think that King Jesus would have you to rise up and do something here at LVA Church, you ought to rise up and do it. Let me give you an example. If you walk across the parking lot and you see trash out there on the ground, pick it up. You don't have to be told it's your job to do it. If you're here at LVA Church and you go in the bathroom and the bathroom and the toilet's dirty, you ought to stop what you're doing and clean it. I knew we'd get a rising amen there on that part. because, <laughs> But it does, I want you to notice that, that it doesn't say that benign these other men tiptoed out in the middle of the night and, and snuck over to Bethlehem to get that fresh well water from Bethlehem. Oh, no. It says that benign these other men, they broke through the Philistine host. And I thought, oh, I know what that's all about. There's a time when the devil's got you pinned down. There's no sense of tiptoeing anymore. You may as well come out of that cave with a fire in your eyes and say, look, big boy, you're standing between me and what I've got coming to me. There's fresh well water at Bethlehem and I'm gonna break through the Philistine host to get it. And the devil knows when you've got your mind made up, you've got that look in your eye, you've got that fire down inside of you. I believe the devil will get out of the way. And it's time for some men and women and young people at LVA Church to get that fire down inside of you, get that look in your eye, get your mind made up and say, I'm gonna break through the Philistine host to get a fresh drink of well water from Bethlehem. Can y'all hear me all right? It says that he broke through the Philistine host. I don't read where they had an encounter. I believe the Philistines saw him coming from afar off and the Philistines looked at him and said, they're not slowing down, guys. We may as well get out of the way and let them on by. That's what the Bible means when it says, the kingdom of God suffered violence and the violent taketh by force. The blessings of God are available to everybody in this building listening to my voice. It's just a matter of you full of the Holy Ghost breaking through the Philistine host to get a fresh drink of well water from Bethlehem. Can we go deeper? It says they killed two lion like men of Moab. And now uh, Moab is symbolic of lust because it came out of that unholy union between Lot and those two and his two daughters. You know what that means? That means that Benaiah didn't sit on the church chair with a Bible in one hand and an iPhone in the other lusting after every pretty young lady that walked through those church doors. He killed that in his life. Let me tell you something about the flesh. You don't pet the flesh and you don't pray for the flesh. You crucify the flesh. You kill that in your life. But it says two line like middle Moab. And I thought one is, is bad enough, but it's two. And I thought, oh, that sounds like the American church today. We've had the heterosexual roaming, uh, uh, lie roaming to and fro in many of our church bodies. And now we've got the homosexual lie roaming fro in, two, in, many of, in too many of our churches. And we need to kill both of those spirits in our midst. 
The only people in these last days that are going to be able to whip the devil and keep going for God are those who are willing to take on, uh, that are willing to crucify the flesh and, and deny themselves and take up the cross and follow Jesus Christ. And young person, listen to me, listen carefully, young person, unequivocally, premarital sex will scar you and mark you. Young lady, if he's having sex with you outside of marriage, he does not love you. He's just saying that he loves you. Every daddy in America ought to be a hero. Every mama in America ought to be a hero. Amen. Every mama that makes up this church body and every daddy in this building. You know, we, we, we have let our children down. We've given them our money, but we haven't given them our time. By the way, that's the way parents and grandparents, that's the way you spell that word love for your children. It's a four-letter word. It's T-I-M-E. Your children don't need a new pair of Nike tennis shoes or a new pair of jeans. What they need is your, is your love, Daddy. They need your time, Daddy. They need your time, Mama. But then it says not only did he kill two lion-like men of Moab, but he killed an Egyptian seven and a, seven and a half feet tall. Now, Egypt is symbolic of the world. And is it not true that the world has crept into the church and nothing is a sin anymore? I saw that look on some of your faces when I said what I did. I've listened to country and western music that has a message that is in opposition to the word of God. And I hear people say, well, Brother Todd, really, it's all in the way that you look at that. Yes, once you pull the blinders down off of your eyes, it's all in the way that you look at that. People say, well, I just don't see it that way. Neither did Samson after they gouged his eyes out. He didn't see it that way either. <laughs> but Benaiah killed an Egyptian seven and a half feet tall. And this Egyptian had a spear in his hands the size of a weaver's beam. That's the same size of a spear that Goliath had. You know what Benaiah had? Didn't have a spear, didn't have a, a, a sword, didn't have a knife. Didn't even have a shield. All he had in his hand was a walking staff. I'm going to tell you something right here. If it doesn't light your fire, then your wood's too wet. You see, that walking staff is symbolic of the Holy Ghost. You remember when Jesus sent his disciples out in twos and he said, don't carry an extra money bag, don't carry an extra clothes, carry with you only your walking staff. And he went out and they went out and came back. And then he said, now how did Jesus said, how'd it go? They said, oh, it went great. Even the demons are subject to your name. And Jesus said, well, did you lack for any good thing? They said, not a thing. When the church will realize that when you are tempted by the devil or being attacked by the devil, you should not have to get on the telephone and call 25 people at LVA Church saying, pray for me, pray for me. Listen, getting somebody at LVA Church to pray for you is good, but you better learn to pray for yourself. It'll do you a whole lot more good. What if you call pastor and you can't get hold of him? You're still needing a touch from God. You need to have a direct hotline to heaven to the throne room of God, 1-800-G-O-D-H-E-L-P. Can I hear an Amen. But you know, there are people that have been in church all of their life that as soon as they go through a trial, they'll jump up and they'll say, I just get seen to be, get beat up by the devil all the time. That's no big trick. Just get full of the Holy Ghost. I said full of the Holy Ghost. I didn't say anything about speaking in tongues. I know people that got filled with the Holy Ghost 25 years ago and they spoke with other tongues. Now, 25 years later, they're still speaking in tongues, but they're not full of the Holy Ghost anymore. Y'all need to get a copy of this message. That way you can get fussed out all the rest of this year. The only people that are going to be able to make it in these last days are those who are willing to take up the walking staff of the Holy Ghost. Then when the devil attacks you, you can grab a spear, pin him down, and march on in the power of God. Now we came to the part, we, uh, now we're 
to the part I came to preach about. We'd have been here a lot quicker if y'all would have been listening faster, but you've held us up. (laughs) Benaiah is going to kill a lion in a pit on a snowy day, but it's cold and it's slippery and it's snowing according to the story. And, and, And I don't read where that... Uh, there was a whole big long line of people that were willing to go uh, uh, and, and jump up and kill that lion. It's not like they voted on him. You know, I love what John three sixteen says and what it doesn't say. Here's what it doesn't say. For God so loved the world that he sent a committee. Oh, no. You know, if they'd have sent a committee, they'd still be there right now voting on that lion. Um, is it a big lion or a little lion? Does he scratch, paw, or bite? Is it a male or a female? And the, re- the way that I read this story, this line is in Benaiah's backyard. He says he's been over here. He's got those kids strung out on, on crack cocaine. Tracks them a little bit further and says, I can tell he's been over here. He's got this young couple that's not married having sex outside of marriage. Tracks them a little bit further and says, I can tell he's been over here. He's got this young couple that's having financial trouble. And now they're having difficulty in their marriage. This line is roaring and raving. He says, I can tell he's been over here. He's, got, he's hit this woman upside the head and she lays there sick. This line is roaring and raving and everybody's scared. The devil roars and raves at the church today and everybody's scared. We've got people that have been in church all of their life that as soon as they go through a trial, they jump up and say, oh, I've got to order another take series from Tulsa on how to get the victory. Listen, just pray through till the victory comes on you. Amen? But the way that I read this story, this lion is in Benaiah's backyard and he's been chasing this lion and he's chasing this lion through cold snow, it's snowing and it's slippery. And, and, and so, and I thought, you know, the, the, the snow's the best thing that could happen because it's easier to track a lion when it's leaving tracks than it is when it's not leaving tracks. And how many of you know the devil leaves tracks? He always comes the same old way in your life. He knows where to attack you. And, and, and uh, you see, Benaiah is chasing this lion. We spend so much time running from the devil, the devil ought to be running from you. You ought to be so full of the fire and the power of the Holy Ghost that you get up every morning and say, devil, I'm not going to run from you. I'm going to run at you because I'm full of the power of the Holy Ghost. But you see, this lion is, is uh, he's, he's tracking this lion. And it gets that lion down in that pit. It's a cold, slippery, snowy day. And Benaiah gets that lion down in that pit. And he doesn't come on that lion and look at it and say, oh, I bind you. He doesn't look at that lion and say, that's not a real lion. If I don't confess it, it won't be there. Oh, no. It's a cold, slippery, snowy day. It's one of those days where your arthritis is bothering you the most. It's one of the days where you don't want to answer your cell phone or go to the mailbox or go to the front door when, when somebody rings the doorbell because you know it's going to be more bad news. It's a cold, slippery, snowy day. And Benaiah has that lion down in that pit. He says, there you are. It may be cold. It may be slippery. It may be snowing. Things may not be the best in my life right now, but devil, I'm not coming at you in my own strength. I'm coming at you with the walking staff of the Holy Ghost and I am going to win this victory. Hebrews chapter 4 says the word of God is quick and powerful sharper than any two-edged sword. You know I used to think that that sword was a big long sword but that's not how that's not how it translates. That sword in the Hebrews chapter 4 is a dagger about this long and I thought you know what when you've got that lying down in that pit you don't need a big long sword. All you need is the dagger of the word of God. You need the walking staff of the Holy Ghost. 
and you can win this victory. Hear me this morning. There are so many of you sitting here this morning that you are going through trials in your life right now. You've got a lion that is in that pit in your life, in some area of your life, spiritually, physically, financially, emotionally, in your family, in your, or your marriage, or your home, some area where the devil is attacking you. You've got him down in that pit. And this morning, you can do one of two things. Either you can, you can leave him where he's at, Say, well, he's not really bothering me so much right now, so I'm just going to stay away from it. And, or, you, or you can deal with it this morning. With the dagger of the Word of God coming out of your mouth, declaring the Word of God, with the walking staff of the Holy Ghost, and win this victory because Jesus already paid the price and won the victory on the cross of Calvary for everything you're going through right now. There was a woman that went to a tent revival. This tent revival went on for... Eight weeks long, the very first service of that tent revival. True story. The pastor of the church, of the tent, of the church where they were having the tent revival, the pastor stood up and he said, we're going to start this tent revival off the right way. He said, does anybody have a testimony? That woman in that uh, tent stood up three-fourths of the way back. She said, I just want to praise God. She said, I've been praying for my son for, for 10 years He's strung out on dope and whiskey, running around with prostitutes, living with a woman. She said, I've prayed faithfully for my son every night for 10 years, and not one night have I heard from my son. She said, I've not talked to him. She said, but I've continued to pray for him. She said, last night I was ready to give up on praying for my son anymore. She said, but the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and told me that he was gonna, God was going to save my son during this tent revival. She said, so I just want to praise God because I know that during this tent revival, my son's going to get saved. She sat down and everybody under that tent burst into applause. That tent revival went every night for eight weeks. That woman stood up every service of that tent revival and gave that same testimony. But not one night did her son come in. It's the last night of that tent revival. The pastor took the last offering, preached the last sermon, took the last everything. The pastor stood up under that tent. The pastor said, we've had a great tent revival. He said, I need some men to help me take the, the tent down to, to, tomorrow morning. He said, if you'll just meet here about 10 o'clock. He said, but before we disperse, he said, does anybody have a testimony before we go? That woman stood up three-fourths the way back again. She said, I want to praise and glorify God one more time. She said, I was ready to give up on praying for my son. I've not heard from him for, for 10 years. She said, he's been strung out on dope and whiskey, running around with prostitutes, living with a woman. She said, I prayed for him faithfully every night for 10 years. She said, she said, eight weeks ago last night, I was ready to give up on praying for my son. But while I was praying, she said, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, God was gonna save my son during this tent revival. And she said, now this tent revival is almost over. She said, so I just want to glorify God because that means my son is getting ready to get saved. She sat down and, no, and everybody turned around and looked at her like she was out of her mind. But no more than that woman sat down. The back of that old tent rolled open and a big, robust, burly young man came running down that sawdust trail, and she pointed at him as he went by, and she said, that's my son right there. God's brought him in. I'm talking about killing a lion in a pit on a snowy day. Hear me. Listen carefully. There's light at the end of the tunnel, and it's not an oncoming train. It is the light of Jesus Christ 
ready to work on your behalf. Bow your heads, close your eyes, open your hearts all over the building. I'm going to ask for the musicians, if you will, to take your place. I'm believing God this morning for breakthrough in everybody in this building's life.